Hello, Restoration Church. We are continuing our church basic series. And today we're going to talk about membership. So church membership. So last time, if you haven't listened, might go be helpful to go listen to just the introduction, what a church is, what a church does, kind of lay some, some framework of those types of things. And a sentence, Nathan, summarize what we talked about in the last episode. God's always had a people. Those people have always been defined and they're defined by the, the God they love and the way they love people. There you go. And so we talked about committing to a local church. Yeah. We're going to call this church membership. We get that from First Corinthians 12, those types of things. But, mm-hmm. uh, brother, which we, is a countercultural idea. It is. But, if we had, if we had, if you gave me, uh, Nathan, what are the things that you're asked most about or challenged most about as a pastor? This is easily in the top three. Yeah. I could write a four chapter book. I won't give you all the chapters, but <laughs> church membership exactly. would be one of those chapters yeah. in that book. And so, uh, I think, brother, a lot of people, either we don't articulate ourselves clearly. Yep. Uh, Which or, is possible. It's very possible. Yep. Or we assume some things. Or uh, people some, assume some things about what we are saying. Yep. So let's be very clear. What are we not saying when we say church membership? Well, first off, before we say what it's not about, let me say what it most importantly is. You have to do it the way we do it. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? So no, that's what, no, that's the first thing. That's the first thing is we would say is, uh, what, what we're not saying is, is we're not saying you have to do it exactly like Restoration Church. We're not saying that you have to have a membership class. We're not saying that you have to have membership discussions or whatever interviews that are oversighted by, you know, particular elders after that. We're not saying that you have to then tar- carry it to a, uh, congregational vote and say all those in favor say aye, all those opposed. We're not saying that you have to do it exactly like that. That's just the way we're trying to go about the big ideas. Right. So wh- why do we do it that way? Well, because I think we, you know, a stat that I go back to time and again is it's an old stat. I'm not a huge fan of stats, but it's a telling stat. 96% of people baptized above the age of 35 are being baptized, quote unquote, baptized again for the second time. In other words, we operate inside of a society where a lot of people take the name of Christ because that's sort of the, that's the God who's around us in the sense that mm-hmm. it's the, it's the sort of formalized religion that is around us. And so there's a lot of confusion in our society. And so we've got to be really careful. That's the reason why we're doing it is we're trying to be careful. It's our responsibility to define as we'll talk about the who and the what of the gospel. And we just want to make sure that we're doing that carefully and wisely and helpfully. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I, and I think that's what I, what I, one of the ways I try to say it is, given our context, is why we do the whole membership process the way we do it. That's right. Because yeah. the the place where you find Christianity is more prevalent and has more favor, just in general, I think mm-hmm. the 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 more defined your structures need to be. And we might we think we're experiencing persecution. We're really not. Yeah. Uh, not in a massive way, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so Christianity still has a lot of favor where we are. And people have grown up in a church and maybe don't take the name of Christ seriously. And so because we have that favor, we want to be more clear on who is and isn't a Christian, a part of Christ. And so if we were in Iraq, the membership class would be baptism. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they probably don't have a little booklet in a class and a discussion. No, they, they have baptism, mm-hmm. which I think, again, is, is all it's doing is clarifying who is and isn't a part of Christ committed mm-hmm. to him. Yep. And so that's one of the reasons why we do it the way we you do. You don't it. have hundreds of people gathering in churches over there in Iraq to, uh, yeah. So it's we got to get this clear. Yeah. So we're not. It's not. All we're trying to do. It's 
Any other things, Joey, that you can think of to say that what we're not saying? Yeah, and I think the other thing is we're not saying somehow like there's this magical switch when you join the church. Well, now we really think you're a Christian or now or what? Like, no, it's not a box that we're checking mm-hmm. or there, it comes with commitments. And so we, it's one of the reasons we talk about meaningful membership. So we don't mm-hmm. want people just checking a box. Oh, I formally joined the church. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a group of covenant commitments to God and to each other yep. that we willfully carry out because we love God and we love each other. So we're also not saying that by joining a church, that's what makes you a Christian. Yeah. Jesus is the only thing that makes you a Christian. That's right. Repenting and believing, trusting on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so, uh, so, yep. So it's just a, a web of relationships where we agree to hold one another accountable to Christ and help love him together. So, yeah. uh, but where do we get this from the Bible, Nathan? Well, even before that, if I can give one more illustration, yeah. cause you kind of said something there before we answer that one. You know, the, one of the best ways I think it's been most helpful to explaining this is, is the, is the agreement to walk in that covenant relationship you just talked about, Joey, under the Lordship of Christ together in the same way that two people would get married. Uh, so in the same way, there's this, right, there's this relationship that goes two ways. You know, we normally think of relationships in America in this very individualistic culture as one way. And yet we all recognize, though, that a husband needs to commit to the wife and the wife needs to commit to the husband. You know, we would recognize that you can't, it's not a good idea to go on dating for the rest of your life. We recognize that both parties need to commit so as to, to bring about definition to the relationship. And that's all we're trying to do. We're not saying you have to do it the way that we do it. All we want to do is just bring definition to the relationship in the same way that a marriage has definition to it. Another one that a brother uses is citizenship in a country. Right. There's a way in which the person says, I want to be a citizen of this country. And the government says back to you, all right, let me ask you some questions. And then they stamp the passport. Right. And you're now a citizen of this country. That's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to bring definition to it in the way that we facilitate it is here is our attempt to do that, to have a two way um, relationship formed so as to define the relationship. That's right. So churches are embassies. This is a this is second Corinthians five. Embassies don't make anybody a citizen. That's right. We don't make anybody yeah. a Christian. All embassies do is they recognize who is and isn't a citizen as best they can. Yeah, and that's and all we're trying to that's do. That's all we're trying to do. Yeah, so trying to be that city inside of a city to make sure who's the city of God. That's right. You know, citizens. Yeah. So, yeah. scriptures you would go to to begin yeah. to outlay our understanding of membership. Yeah, local church membership. That's right. Because right? we yep. talked last podcast about the kind of universal nature of the church. Uh, and how God's always had a definable group of people. So as it relates to local church, I think the obvious place would go to Jesus' words in Matthew 16. All right, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is asking the question, who do people say that I am? And uh, here you have for the first time, Peter gets the right answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's 1616. Jesus says, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Which, by the way, side note, grace-based salvation, right? Mm. Jesus understands that Peter did not come up with that because he's a really smart guy, but God revealed it to him. And then verse 18, And I tell you, our Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So here we go. We're getting close. Now that's universal church. Uh, and on this trial, build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. it. Means it's advancing, and so therefore, what what did he just say there? He he just gave a proper confession of who Christ is, mm. right? There's the start, right? That's the that's the that's the sort of uh, the what of the gospel, the what of the church, I should say. So, and then look what he says next. This is going to go into the who. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I'll give you 
Peter, the person that confessed that proper gospel. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right, so there we ha- have this this confessor and a confession. The confessor is Peter. The confession is understand the proper understanding of who and what Jesus is and what he's doing. And so so we have the who and the what of the gospel or the confession and the confessors. And these confessors with the proper confession, they get keys. Right? And that's going to lead us. How do been, we know how those keys are used, Nathan? Did Jesus ever tell us how to use those keys? He did indeed. I'm going to, I've been talking enough. So you, I'm going to flip over the, flip the page. The next place I would then go is Matthew 18. And Joey's going to do an exceptional job of showing how those keys get used, how the confessors are now individually using their keys to the kingdom. Yeah. So again, Matthew 16, Matthew 18. When Matthew originally wrote this, he didn't have Matthew 16 and 18. It's just all a flow of thought. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Matthew 16, or Matthew 18, 15 through 20, it's this passage that, that's typically on restorative church discipline, which I think is right. But what I want to draw your attention to is if you were to go read, uh, the verses 18 and 19, we see Jesus' same words. He says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Uh, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. One of the most misquoted verses in all the Bible, there you right? Go. That last one. So you're about to clear up why that's misquoted. Go ahead. Well, Jesus is speaking in the context of affirming who is and isn't a Christian. Mm-hmm. He's he's talking about if someone is living in a way they profess the gospel, they take the name brother, mm-hmm. but their practice of the gospel is contrary to it. Well, then you are to treat them as not a tax collector. Mm-hmm. And so the same words he used in Matthew 16 to build his church, confessors confessing, he mm-hmm. now employs it on the back end, and this has to be the local church, mm-hmm. because he says, tell it to the church. That's verse it, 17, that's right. just before what you read. Yep. He has to be talking to the local church. You can't tell it to the universal church. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, again, is saying that you need to affirm or disaffirm mm-hmm. gospel professions that keep in line with gospel practice or that don't. Yep. And so Jesus walks this out. Trying to, which goes back to what we were talking about last podcast of having this definition of people. He's trying to make clear who's the wheat and who's the chaff. That's right. And so all, all local church membership is doing is affirming and overseeing the who and the what of the gospel. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. We're affirming and overseeing, just like Jesus said, mm-hmm. the who and the what of the gospel, which is exactly what Paul does to the church in Corinth. That's right. Yeah, and so you see this in action in 1 Corinthians 5 when Paul is counseling 1 Corinthians 5 to remove this remove this man that is among them because of these terrible things that he's doing. Um, and he says, you know, he asked the rhetorical question in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, we are not to judge out- outsiders, but are you not to judge those that are inside the church? So he recognizes there's this inside and outside, and those things need to be clear. And then many scholars believe in 2 Corinthians 2, 5, and 6, uh, actually verse will go straight to 6, is an example of what actually happened in that instance of 1 Corinthians 5. And here's what. 2 Corinthians 2, 6 says, For such a one, this punishment, this is talking about restorative church discipline, such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. On he goes. For such a one, this punishment by the majority. Well, the majority of who? Right? we got to know who. There's this definable group. So there is voting happening, by the way. Uh, and it's voting by a particular definable group of people that have the proper confession. 
yeah. of the gospel. So so we have, I mean, where does membership come from? Well, I think the first is you see Jesus assumes it. Mm-hmm. He assumes that his church is going to affirm and oversee the who and the what of the gospel. And then second— And the same way, by the way, just to fit with the inside yeah. of biblical theology, in the same way you see in Israel when there's people getting, some people getting circumcision, that wasn't thought. So that's right. it's not a new thing. No, that's right. That's right. And so Jesus assumes church membership, and I think the second thing we've already bled into is obedience demands church membership. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about restorative church discipline. We'll do a whole episode on that. So that's one way we obey Jesus. Another one would be the one another commands. Mm-hmm. So Galatians 6 talks about bearing one another's burdens. Well, who is the one another? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 10 talks about gathering together and encouraging one another. I have to know who one another is. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's 50 plus of those one another. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. Love one another as right. I have loved you. That's right. Who is that? You know, the, the one way I like to define that for people is, I'll say, when you read those statements, loving one another, forgiving one another, uh, even uh, submitting to your leaders, right? So I'll say to people, are you supposed to obey that with every Christian planet Earth? And they'll always say, no, of course not. And then I'll say, okay, well, about every Christian in the United States? Well, no, that's ridiculous, right? Okay, what about every Christian in the District of Columbia? Well, no, that's still ridiculous. Okay, what about every Christian that's in Ward 3 of Washington, D.C.? Well, no, that's still ridiculous. Exactly, right? You need to know who that is uh, inside the life of the church. Now, you could just say, Joey, well, those people that are, it's not you, it's not the world, it's not the United States, it's not D.C., it's not Ward 3, it's these people. It could be just these people that are showing up on Sundays. There's your definable group of people because they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, again, I don't know that they're Christians. Just because mm-hmm. somebody takes the name of Christ, yeah. I don't know that they're a Christian. Yeah. Uh, and they have not given me kind of permission, as it were, to speak into their life. Yeah. It's like that. It's like me going up to another lovely lady and saying, we're now married. Yeah. She's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah, I don't even know who you are. I don't, I don't know, know if I want to be married to you. That's right. That's yeah, right. Just, we, it's, again, this notion of individual autonomy. That's the God that's around us, and we need to make sure and push through all that to see that def- uh, relationships in the Bible are always two-way. That's right. We're, we're defining our relationship. It's not just one way. Yeah, I'm with you, and we don't even know who you are. Yeah, and so I think to your to your point there that you mentioned in that the the obedience demands church membership, understanding who is Hebrews. Well, another one would be Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Hebrews thirteen seventeen, where it, yeah. where it commands Christians obey your leaders. And if you go back to verse seven, it says these are the leaders that taught God's word to you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're going to have to give an account for your soul. Mm-hmm. And so we see this relationship of particular leaders and particular members with eternally weighty significance. No. So one, members have to submit. They need to know who that leader is. Yeah. And two, pastors, leaders are going to have to give an account for souls. Mm-hmm. Like, how well did you care for those sheep? I have to know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there's that that relationship there as well that we have. There's there's a mutual understanding that hey, you're my leader, and I understand. Hey, you're one of the sheep that God has entrusted to my care. Acts twenty mm-hmm. that I'm to care for. Yeah. So another way, kind of going back to that example, sometimes I'll say. You know, is it my responsibility to do all the things that a pastor is supposed to do for every Christian on planet Earth? No. United States? No. District? No. War three? No. Okay, Restoration Church? Yes. Okay, so that's the definable group of people, and it's not just anybody that strolls in and out. I do think, to be clear, we have James, respond- 3, James 3 1 would teach us that we are held accountable for whoever shows up. If we teach the Bible wrongly, no matter who comes that's in, right. uh, with defining definable group of people, membership or not, we're going to be held accountable to that. But in terms of the pastoral responsibilities of who I'm being accounted for, Hebrews 13, 17, well, that I need to know in the same way that I'm a husband and I know I'm going to be held accountable to Andrea Knight because I committed to her and she committed to me. That's right. So in the same way, the pastor, Nathan Knight, Joey Craft, Chris, Nick, we have a definable group of sheep whereby they've committed to us and us to them. That's right. And so we, we are in it together. There's a mutual 
understanding. Mm -hmm. Now, to be clear, we are not saying we don't care about anybody that does not formally join our church. (laughs) Never said that. Never will. They're never, never practiced that. Yeah. So just uh, take a look at our lives would be the, nobody's really ever accused us of that, but just take a look at our lives. Yeah. Because membership is a process at Restoration Church. Even it takes you a couple months. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're not, it's not like, well, sorry, you, uh, having a hard time. You're not quite a member yet. So we're not going to bear your burden. That's right. (laughs) No. Yeah. That's not the story Uh, of this. But there is definability to our relationship. So Jesus assumes it. Uh, obedience demands it. We've, you know, we've talked about before the, the images of scripture of what the church is communicate it. So building sheep in a flock, uh, all these things communicate formal relationships. Marriage. Marriage. Yeah, yeah. Christ uh, all the formal church. relationships. So yeah. they're definable groups, uh, they're definable relationships. And I don't know if we've really hit this, Joey, but going back to Matthew 16, that proper confession, mm-hmm. that's why we have, you know, a statement of faith that's and right. a church covenant. Yep. Right. So those are the things that are helping define the relationship because, you know, we want to make clear that what they believe and they want, they need to know what we believe so we can come around these proper, con- the proper confession and the proper lifestyle, uh, as to the confessors. That's right. So I think that's the, where I wanted to land was our statement of faith and our church covenant. Mm-hmm. We should do a podcast on those, by the way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. statement of faith, this is, this is the confession. This is what we believe. It's, yep. And then the the covenant is the whoness of that belief. It's the gospel profession and gospel practice. Mm-hmm. And so why do we call it a covenant? Well, because God makes us part of his people by a covenant with us, mm-hmm. and that covenant with us shapes our covenant commitment to each other. Yep. And just Jesus, new covenant, Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many yep. for the forgiveness of sins. And a covenant is an agreement between, again, two parties. It's a God-initiated Covenant, the new covenant is a God initiated covenant, but we use the language of covenant because again, we recognize we're just trying to define two sides of the relationship. Yeah. Both sides are coming together saying, yes, this is what I believe and this is how I tend to live it out. And the other person is saying, yes, this is what I believe and this is how I intended to live it out. And I intend, and both of us are saying we're going to do that with each other. That's right. And the same way you do it in a marriage, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's not just a contract. So in a contract, I'm looking to the least I can give for the greatest amount of benefit. It's self-serving. Mm-hmm. I think a covenant is the exact opposite. A covenant is what can I give even at cost to myself, which is exactly the, co- the cross. Mm-hmm. Jesus makes a covenant. He gives mm-hmm. himself for the good of his bride. Yeah. And so when we come into church membership, it is a covenant relationship because I'm asking what can I do that may even cost myself that would benefit the body. Yeah. Well, yet again, here I go again with the illustration. So it's the perfect illustration. It, marriage is the same thing. Yeah. When two people get into a marriage, if they are primarily saying, I will only commit to this insofar as you love me the way that I want to be, well, it makes sense why you have things like no-fault divorces where they're just out when, in no time because they quote-unquote fall out of love. But if you understand marriage to be a covenant ordained of God, then you recognize the way that God is other-oriented, so you must be other-oriented. That's what makes marriages great. And so this def- this uh, church membership then defines who you're going to be other-oriented towards. That's right. You know, and held accountable towards in the same way that a wife is making a covenant with a husband. So she's like, this guy, this is the guy that I'm going to do all that it means to be a wife towards, yeah. you know, and vice versa. So that's what church membership is doing. It's bound by that covenant so as to define not just how I'm going to be receiving the gospel, but how I'm going to be giving the gospel to others, that definable group of people, where those people are. And again, just the caveat, we should say this at the front end, this is what we're not saying. We're not saying that you shouldn't do those gospel-oriented things towards people that are not yet formalized members. We're not saying that. And I and I stand firmly behind the practice of Restoration Church, 
that we've never practiced it that way. It's always been the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, why church membership? Because Jesus assumes it. He's gonna. He assumes his church is gonna affirm and oversee the the who and the what of the gospel. That's Matthew sixteen, Matthew eighteen. That's right. Obedience demands it. So we see that in restorative church discipline. We see it in the one another commands, and we see it in the relationship between particular pastors and particular members. Mm-hmm. And finally. Uh, we see that there is a particular type of membership, meaning a covenant membership, mm-hmm. which is the reason we have a church covenant. Mm-hmm. So, beloved, if you're wondering, like, what does it mean? How do I thrive as a member of Restoration Church? What is the vision of our church? Nathan, how would you answer that question? Yeah, go look at our statement of beliefs <laughs> and our covenant. So, at the end of the day, that covenant is the vision of our church. If we are living out all the ideas of that covenant, Amen. brother, we and our sister, whoever's listening to this, Man, we are accomplishing the vision that Jesus had for his people. Yeah, amen. We so, don't need other kind of catchy things with all kinds of statements that get updated all the time because they are the eternal ideas that Jesus ordained of his people. Yeah, and I won't go into it now, but our, even our statement of faith and church covenant are a couple of centuries old. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't come up with them ourselves. No, so right. a long yeah. tradition of faith behind us. Yeah. So hopefully that gives you some foray into membership. If you want more, feel free to reach out to one of us. We've got a couple position papers on membership and other stuff. Some books that they can go and read. I, I can think of a small one okay. uh, that would be helpful. There's Josh Harris wrote a little book called Stop Dating the Church. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. Tiny little books, really small. Yeah, another small one would be Jonathan Lehman's Church Membership. Yep. Uh, we have some of those in the office, and mm-hmm. so if you want one, come by and grab it. So I think those would be two real yep. quick primers easy on reads. membership. Yeah, yeah he's done a couple reads. hours. And, and you can see in both of those little books, you'll see that we're not coming up with something man-made. This is stuff that's grounded in Scripture that we're just trying to. The forms, uh, the, the way that it looks, is not the stuff we're fighting for. That's right. The stuff that we're fighting for is these definable group of ideas, yeah. so that the confession and the confessors can have that definable group, right. so God would be glorified. That's right. At the end of the day, church membership is unity and clarity on the who and the what of the gospel. That's all it is. Amen.